Welcome everybody to the Extra Credit Show. I am Anselmo Moreno. I'm Richard David. And we are back again with another podcast here to help everybody master their credit score so they can get the extra credit that they deserve. And this week, like we always do, we have a fantastic episode lined up. I thought that this one would be really relevant to all of our listeners, um, especially because in the past, some of our best performing episodes are episodes that have to deal with building or rebuilding your credit score. So... This week, Rich, we're going to talk about exactly how to break a FICO score down, what goes into a FICO, you know, how exactly to break down that FICO score pie chart that is very popular. We're, we're going to break it down to its elements so that you know what's actually more relevant for you when you're attempting to raise your score. I think it's going to help kind of get rid of a lot of myths. A lot of people understand credit scoring, but on the surface, or maybe they think that certain key elements or certain facts go into a credit score or the way that a credit score is calculated when in fact it doesn't. Um, so we're just going to break it down. So, you know, let's just jump right in. I mean, we have a FICO pie chart, uh, which is show it, let's show it to the camera. It's that. Um, this FICO pie chart, there's a lot of different variations of it. It shows um, essentially what makes up the calculation of a credit score. Now, we've talked a little bit about credit scoring formulas. It's actually a very complex system you know it's a mathematical equation it uses uh, very uh, advanced st statistics um so we're going to try to break it down on a very basic level so that everybody can understand exactly what composes up a fico score right um and and so just starting right off generally this is not every fico model but generally the models start at 300 so 300 is the lowest score that you could have and the highest is 850 that technically would be the highest score that you can have. I'm glad you brought up that point because, again, there's so many different FICO models out there that this isn't for every single FICO score out there. But it is the most relevant for the most current types of FICO scores out there. Yeah, and, and, and there's going to be discrepancies like maybe some of them don't go up to 850. Maybe they cap out at 830 or 840. Uh, there's going to be some that, depending on the generation of the model, are going to cap out at, th at that particular number. Some of them may not go as low as 300. Um, Such as the, the FICO beacon. Yeah, uh, where it goes up a little higher than 300. So it's just it's just kind of, you know, about 300 lowest, about 850 the highest. I guess the point that I'm trying to make for the show's purpose is that there's 550 available points. If we were to start at zero... Then, you know, if the models went from zero to 550. 550, you know, that's what it would be. 550 would be the highest. And so there's 550 points up for grabs and they're broken down in uh, in in these various categories that we're going to talk about. So uh, first and foremost, out of 550 possible points, 35% of those points are attributed to payment history. It's the highest possible range of score or the highest impact on a score that's available right now. 35% of that is payment history. What's 35% of 550? 35% of 550 would be um, 192.50. 1, 192.50. Uh, so 192 points, 192.5 points are available to you if you pay your bills on time. That's a big chunk of points. I mean, that'll take you down several tiers from great credit to really bad credit. Think about it. If you if it's a 850 max, what most people are used to, 192 points would put you at 658. Yeah. I mean, it's 658 is only a fair score. 
And most, and that's if you start at the 850. You know, most people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to bring down 190, 190 points, you're going to come down from a 750 all to the a way to, to a 550. Yeah. Ooh. So at that point, you're basically not lendable. Um, you know, and it only makes perfect sense that it's such a big impact on your score. I mean, you know, generally speaking. Um, uh, I like to give examples to my customers who don't understand credit. And, you know, simple example is if you have two friends that that you lend money to, who are you going to trust more? The guy that pays you every single time or the guy that never pays you or pays you sparingly? Obviously, obviously you're, you're not going to trust that guy pretty much and you're probably not going to want to lend them money every time he asks you for something. Right. I mean, that's essentially the fundamentals of the credit scoring system. It's mm -hmm. just trying to predict risk. Mm -hmm. And that's all that it's doing. It's taking the previous payment performance um, and trying to predict whether you're going to pay any future loans on time. I mean, fundamentally, that's what it is. If you're using statistics, it's a lot more complicated than that. But let's break down the payment history aspect because what actually goes into the payment history other than did has this person paid their bills on time? Okay. So, I mean, payment history, there, there's, as you stated, there's more to it than just did I pay you on time, did I not pay you on time? It's, you know, how long you've been making payments for. And like what kind of accounts are included in the payment history? Well, revolving trade lines. So that would be like credit cards, credit cards, so any, credit any, lines. You know, Visa, Mastercards, Amex, Discover, those type of accounts uh, that are that are credit accounts are revolving trade yes. lines, and then also retail accounts. You know, that are Correct. not you know a major brand like Visa, Mastercard, Amex, uh, but they would be like store only cards like. JCPenney, Macy, Home Depot. For those of you that still don't know, and you should, if you've been watching all our shows, a revolving trade line is a payment that the the amount is not set. It revolves around how much you owe on the account. So you know, if a credit card, for example, your your monthly payments aren't fixed. Uh, another factor is an installment loan. Okay, and the yep. installment loans are like your vehicle loans, your mortgage loans, your personal bank loans. Um, those have a set fixed monthly payment, but those also get calculated in the payment history. Yeah, so out of the 192.5 possible points that are up for grabs, you, you get a lot of those points based on your payment per, payment performance um, on, on these particular types of products. And if you pay them on time, obviously you get the benefit of having those points on your score. Um, but there's also things that go on your credit report that aren't necessarily like, they can't be good. They're mm -hmm. just bad. You know, mm -hmm. And those are going to be like bankruptcies, foreclosures, judgments, um, wage garnishments, liens. Uh, those, well, judgments are wage garnishments. Sorry about that. But these things, when they go on a credit score, they're just bad, right? They're not, they're nothing good. Um, and so those will also hurt the payment history. So if you have a whole bunch of perfect payments on your credit cards, but there's a bankruptcy on there from, you know, or a foreclosure or, or a judgment or a lien, um, those things will definitely hurt that the points that you get. So you won't get all the 192 points. You'll be losing out on a lot of them if you have these types of items on the report because these you can only get if you fail to make certain payments. That is correct. Um, you know, and it gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, obviously, you know, having a late payment or two isn't necessarily a deal breaker as long as for the majority of your credit history, you've been on time. But if you have one late payment, you know, and it was four or five years ago, you can recover. Um, just make sure that 
you try not to make a late ever. I think that um, that is a very big point is how long ago was your late payment? That's mm -hmm. actually the first thing I look at on the credit report is do they have any late payments and how old are they? Because determining how old the late payment is can very likely determine how long the credit repair case will go. Exactly. Um, if the late payments are recent. In like recent, last month. <laughs> yeah, recent defined in the last six months. You know, that's very bad. Um, and if there's any payments that are made late as we are in the credit repair process, it's very, very bad for the score. It basically negates any progress that's made throughout the process. So that's a very important factor when considering is not just how long ago the late was, but how late actually it was. That's true. Was it 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You know, those are obviously like a 90 day late is terribly, terribly worse than a 30 day late. Just significantly worse than a 30 day late. And obviously anything above a 90 is just even more bad um, where you really aren't going to get any of those 192 points available to you. <laughs> no. And if it goes past that, if you get to 120 days, you're now uh, dangerously close to the charged off zone yeah. um, or, you know, sending it to collections. Um, generally, you, you just don't want to pay late, guys. And one of the things that I can advise, you know, my our people that are listening, all our viewers, is I understand that, you know, life happens and sometimes you struggle to make ends meet. But if you're going to if you're going to default on things, do not default on anything that's on your credit report. Right. You know, I mean, if eat beans and rice, if you have to for a while, don't make a 30 day late on your two hundred dollar JCPenney credit card because the world, the whole world's going to know about it for seven years. Yeah. That's a very good point, you know, because there are certain things that are not credit reported, like mm. cell phone bills, exactly. utility bills. If you're renting, technically your rent is not reporting on your credit report. If it's a mortgage, then it very likely is. Um, but there are certain things that are not credit reported and certain things that are. And if you understand that, sometimes I guess if you got to prioritize, you know, are you going to save your credit score because it's a, maybe a temporary downturn in your economy? and you're gonna recover quickly and you don't want any lasting seven year damage on your report, yeah, don't pay late. Know when and um, where you can kind of bend the rules a little bit to avoid any damage on your credit report. Exactly. But ultimately, you know, I mean, this is the biggest portion of this little pie chart. This little pie chart breaks down in percentages and 35%, the biggest chunk is based on your payment history. And that's just gonna be based on, you know, how you pay your bills on time. In a nutshell, that's what it is. Obviously, it's extremely complex when it, you involve collections and judgments and bankruptcies and how late you were, how old the lates are. But something that I want our listeners to re be very aware of is it's also encompasses like how many accounts were paid on time versus how many accounts were paid late. Ah, so you could have like, like 20 accounts that were just perfect, perfect accounts paid perfectly on time. And if you have 20 of those, but you have just one or two that were bad, your credit score is going to recover quicker. It's going to be it's going to fare better overall um, than than vice versa. If you have 20 really bad accounts and only two good ones, it's going to take you a while before you recover from something like that. So, you know, how many accounts you were late on versus how many accounts you were good on is also a factor that's calculated in this 35 percent. Um, so these 192 points that are up for grabs, you know, it's very complicated and actually very few people, even though they get, they pay on time, very few people actually get the full points. Yeah. It, just because you have a perfect payment history doesn't mean you're going to have the maximum amount of points on a credit score. Uh, you're, you're not going to get an 850. There are other factors, but 
um, as as Anselmo was saying, making payments on time, although a huge portion of your credit, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the 192 points. Right, right. And, and so it's just probably, I think it's the quickest way to kill your score, mm-hmm. you know, obviously because it's the biggest chunk on there. Um, so you I mean, nearly def- 200 points. <laughs> yeah, definitely, you know, keep that in mind as you're building your credit history. Understand that late payments are literally the worst thing that you can put on your credit report. Um, and any negative item that results as a result of a late payment will stay on there for seven years. Um, so I think that's about drives a point home on the 35% of the FICO pie chart. Um, moving on, the next biggest factor is 30%. So the amounts owed. Yeah, this this we know as credit utilization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically just how much you owe, but it's a little more complicated. Well, of course, you know, just because you owe one credit card and your one credit card is maxed out, which, by the way, is bad. You never want to max out a credit card. It's also about your overall credit utilization. For example, you may have five credit cards at $1,000 each. You know, that's a total of $5,000 in credit available to you. Being maxed out on one is going to hurt your score, but... On the long in the grand scheme of things, it's still only twenty percent debt utilization in your overall credit. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a very important factor because I think as you start to build your credit history, you start to pay your bills on time, you start to get more credit. Mm-hmm. You know, creditors start to give you more credit. You start to get a ton of pre-approved offers and very enticing offers, and and so then you start to get more credit, and then. That what happens is you start to use your credit and your credit utilization goes up. As that goes up, your credit score goes down. They're inversely related. Don't fall for that trap, guys. Just because you got, you know, that $5,000 credit increase that you didn't ask for doesn't mean you need to go out there and just use it all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the trap. That's, that's you know, we've, we've said it time and time again on the show. If you have a $50,000 credit card and you max it out, you no longer have an excellent credit score. No. And it's the same thing, whether it's 50,000 or 500, if you have a $500 credit card and it's maxed out, again, you no longer have an excellent credit score. Because what this is trying to do is, is people that have maxed out balances, whether the balance is 500 or 50,000, default at a higher rate than people who don't have maxed out balances. And that's just statistics at play. And that's really what this category is trying to say is if if the person or if the consumer has their credit limits maxed out, uh, they're at a higher they're a higher risk than people who don't. And it's kind of essentially, I mean, it's not just maxed out. It's not ninety nine percent out of a hundred. You know, it's the if if you owe seventy percent, it's better than ninety nine percent. But if you owe fifty percent, it's better than seventy, and ten percent is better than fifty, and so the lower you go on your utilization, the better you're going to be when it comes to your to faring in this category. So what is 30% of 550? Uh, 165. 165. So there's 165 possible points here up for grabs. Um, so 35% and 30%. Oh, they're close. They're really close to each other. It's 65% of all of your points that are available to you. Two-thirds. That's outrageous. So if you want to move your score up or down really fast, this is where you do it, I think, because there's a lot of points. So if you want to move your score, you know, and you have credit card balances, you're going to pay these credit card balances down, and that's probably going to net you the most points, right? 
because that's 30% of the score and that's something that you can easily work with. And by the way, this is this is something a little bit more advanced uh, because it's combining uh, factors, but the credit card is the single most important account on your credit report. And not only is it gonna give you, you know, the amounts owed, but it's gonna give you payment history and it's gonna give you something else that we're gonna talk about in a little bit, which is length of credit history. So for those of you listening, pay attention. You definitely want to have credit cards and you don't want to pay late on them. Yeah, absolutely. So let's break down amounts owed a little bit further, I think, because it's a it's a it's really a game, you know, almost that, that you're playing. Um, so you have credit cards. Yes. And you use them and you pay them and you use them and you pay them. And there's a lot of myths out there that you should keep your balances at 30%, okay. 40% or 50%. <laughs> there's a lot of that talk that goes on and or there's a lot of people that are rebuilding their credit and they want to pay off their balances every month because somebody said that if you pay off your balance every month, you build credit faster or uh, that if you pay your balance twice a month, you build credit faster. There's all these myths are, that are out there that have some type of way to navigate the credit card to build credit faster. Mm -hmm. Is there any truth to those? Well, they're myths based on truths. Uh, for example, having a 35% or lower balance on your credit cards, it is going to give you higher points than if you say have, say, 60 70%, but ultimately it's your total usage. You're going to have more points if you have 20% than if you have 35 such as you're going to have more points if you owe five compared to 20 and so forth and so forth, all the way down to zero. The less you owe, the higher your score will be on the debt utilization side. So so if we were to say pin a magic number, is there a magic number? Uh, zero. Zero is the magic number. It, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't use your credit cards. Okay, that's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. That's the other myth that gets perpetuated is uh, if you don't use your cards, then your score doesn't, you don't get a benefit because you're not using your card. Well, uh, again, that is a myth based on truth. The way that affects you is if you don't use your cards at all, the creditors are liable to shut it down on you. And then you lose all that, you know, uh, debt utilization. Yeah. But doesn't mean you have to constantly use it. You can use it sparingly, use it, you know, once every month or once every few months. And as long as there's activity on the card, the card will stay open. So so it's not that you shouldn't use your cards at all, or, or if you don't use your cards, it'll hurt you. It's just if you don't use them at all, then yes, they will close on you. And and it's not the fact that you're not using them that would hurt. It's the fact that if they close it, it, will, it can potentially hurt if they close the account down. That is correct. So yeah, I mean, you know, think about it, guys. If you think about the person that you know in your life that has an incredibly high score, an, maybe an annoyingly good score, it's probably mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. Like these people, you know, these people Hopefully. in your life will have a very, very high score. And the one thing that they have in common is they don't owe anybody. They like hate debt. And if they charge up a card, they can't wait to pay it off. And they don't really revolve balances month after month um, or carry balances month after month because they don't like it. And that are those are the people that are going to hist historically perform very high on the FICO scale. They're going to have an 800 plus credit score. Um, and if they use their credit card or max out their card, that same person will no longer have an 800 score while they have a balance. Exactly. These people uh, are termed as transactors by FICO. 
um, essentially you use the card and you pay it off immediately. Um, and there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, they're, they're the ones that are going to have the highest scores, and some would just said. Um, but, you know, you, you, you definitely don't want to maintain a balance on the credit card. There's no reason for it uh, unless you're struggling financially. All you're going to end up doing is costing yourself interest. Right, right. And you're going to leave yourself open to possibly paying a 30-day late in case something happens where you forget or you come into a, ca a catastrophic event where you can no longer pay the account off. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you owe money. Um, but obviously, the point of building credit is is if you're able to manage it. And, and being able to manage it, in my opinion, is being able to pay off the credit cards at a moment's notice. Yes. Um, and if you're playing the game correctly, you're paying them off so that when they report to the bureaus, they're reporting a zero balance. Yes. That's really the name of the game because keep this in mind, guys, the the credit reporting agencies receive data from the creditors every month. Mm -hmm. And typically, say it's Capital One or American Express, whomever the creditor is, they're going to report to the bureau whatever your statement balance was. Mm -hmm. And that's technically um, what they're reporting. So if you don't let your statement close with a balance and you pay it off before, that means you pay it off before the due date. Um, before the statement closes, and they're going to report that balance as being either very low or zero, and you're going to always have a very high credit score. If they end up reporting a balance and the balance eats into your credit utilization, you're going to lose points or leave points on the table, as I like to say, because you're carrying a balance. Exactly. Um, now, the benefit of knowing or mastering your credit score is the fact that if you know you have a balance, then you know that your credit is not max, maxed out or maximized. So you just don't use your credit until your balances are zero. That, I mean, that's really the That's your away. optimal score. That That's when you know that your credit is as high as it can be. So, for example, if you're going to go and buy a car, you just don't go buy the car until you have zero credit card balances, and then you know you're going to have the highest credit score possible. We're credit consultants, guys. We see clients every single day, and the number one mistake that they're making is that they came to us referred by a mortgage lender, and their credit score is just not where they need it, and the first thing that we see are high credit card balances. They left points on the table. If they would have gone to that lender with no credit card balances, we probably wouldn't be having them in our office. They probably would have qualified immediately on the spot. Mm -hmm. That's the number one mistake that we're seeing people make is they're carrying these credit card balances. And that's very dangerous for the score. Yes. It, it, there's really nothing more to be said at yeah. I think that, that pretty much covers that section. So we covered payment history, 35%. We covered amounts owed, 30%. So 65% are in those two categories. The next category that I want to move into is the 15% category, which is the length of credit history. And that length of credit history is, um, I mean, you can't really do a whole lot about that one. It's kind of a byproduct of how old you are. Well, there, there are some tricks of the trade that you can do to, to manipulate it some, such as adding yourself onto your dad's 10-year-old credit card, yeah, that, that sort of thing. But if you're trying to fix credit on your own and not relying on anybody else, which I recommend you should do, um, history is history. You just got to build it. Right. And so, you know, breaking down what goes into the 15%, um, what's 15% of 550? Uh, so 75, um, 82.50. So 82 points up for grabs, depending on essentially... Like age is not a reason um, for credit score. Like your actual age as a, in human years is not a factor in the credit score. 
but the age of your accounts are a factor, and then mm -hmm. it gets broken down pretty complicated in, in, in uh, the average age of the account, the total age of the credit file, um, when was the newest account open, when was the oldest account open. There's a lot that goes into that 15%, and there's a lot that you gotta do to get those 80 points. As he was just explaining right now, the average age of your open accounts. Um, and, and that's what I was referring to earlier. See, most accounts on your credit report are going to eventually close, guys. If you buy a car five years later or six years later, depending on your, your loan, it's going to close. And even if it was 100% paid on time the entire way, after it's closed, it can only maintain itself on your credit for 10 years. So eventually, it's going to disappear just like bad accounts do. Uh, and most- now, bad accounts disappear after seven, Sure. good accounts disappear after 10. Uh, unless it's, well, actually, never mind. I was gonna say, unless it's a bankruptcy, but most bankruptcies aren't gonna be reported anymore. Bankruptcies have a 10-year reporting statute. Right. Okay, well, anyways, um, so good accounts are gonna fall off the credit report, just like bad accounts do. And most types of accounts that you get are installment loans that you'll eventually pay off. The only account that can stay open indefinitely as long as you're alive, paying on the account, and the creditor exists is the revolving trade line, the credit card or the credit line. You can keep that till the day you die. And that's what's going to manipulate the average age of your account to something super high or super extreme. Right. So, so again, your credit card is the most important thing on your credit report, hence why you do not want to make a 30-day late, even if it's a $200 JCPenney card. Now, that's actually some of the oldest cards that I've seen, actually, now that you mentioned that. Mm. Some of the oldest trade lines that I've seen on credit reports are like a 30-year-old JCPenney account mm -hmm. um, or, you know, a very old Macy's account. And then American Express probably falls up there, too. Mm. Uh, these are just consumers that... Like those banks and have been doing business with those business with those banks for for thirty years. And again, it's going to be grandma, grandpa, you know, somebody that has that. And the piggybacking trick that a lot of people like to use and that we've talked about before is the authorized user trick, mm -hmm. where essentially you get added onto your mom's account as an authorized user, or you get added onto your dad's account as an authorized user to mm -hmm. essentially piggyback on their history. Mm -hmm. And and you can be basically a 25-year-old with a 20-year credit history because you have a 20-year-old account on your credit report. Isn't that great? That's technically <laughs> possible in the world of credit. Mm -hmm. You can do that. We've talked about it's illegal if you pay for it. So if you pay a company to do that, that's, you know, essentially illegal and you don't want to do that, but it's totally legit if you do it for a spouse or a family or something like that. So keep that in mind uh, when understanding uh, piggybacking or authorized user trade lines, or like if Richard said, if you're doing it on your own, it's just going to be about maintaining your oldest account. Most people, their very first account that they open up when they turn 18 or whenever they decide to start building credit is going to be a credit card. Mm -hmm. Wherever, whichever bank decides to take the risk and do business with you, that credit card is one that you're going to want to keep open mm -hmm. for essentially forever. I still have my very first credit card um, that I've op I opened in 2004, and I don't plan on ever uh, closing it. I don't use it very often, but I also don't plan on getting rid of it. Um, so, and as long as they keep it open, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to keep it open as well because I understand that. I can't go back in time and open up an account. You know, <laughs> I don't have a time machine, so we want to keep that open. Um, but you know what else goes into the length of credit history is opening up new accounts. 
Yes. So that will shorten the average age of your account. Exactly. So you want to be careful with that too. If you if you're one of those consumers that opens up a new credit account every time they ask you to for to apply, that will shorten the average age of your account, and you can't really remove that. Like you can't just say never mind, get that account off my credit report, even if you close it. Hence why. Again, the credit card is the most important account on your credit report. You shouldn't be asking to open up new credit if you have multiple credit cards in the thousands. Just charge it on your card and pay it off. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Uh, what's what's next, Anselmo? So moving on from the length of credit history, are, now we've covered 35, 30, and 15. So we just have 20% left to break down. Um, and that's just really going to be... Uh, uh, Let's go the new credit route, the 10%, which is new credit. That's what FICO calls it. We call it inquiries, <laughs> but FICO's calling it new credit. Um, and it just kind of makes sense. If you are applying for a whole bunch of accounts, you're probably a higher risk, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're asking to borrow money. Um, you, if you're in a financially stable position, you shouldn't really be asking to borrow money. I know it sounds counterproductive to the whole credit scoring model, but that's kind of how, how it works. Um, not only that, if you're asking a lot of people for money, well, you know, there's a possibility that you may be actually tempting to, uh, you know, run off with all your, yeah. your ill-gotten gains. It's just at a, at a higher <laughs> risk. So, but I think really this 10%, the general public will know it as inquiries. Like mm -hmm. um, most people will say, oh, well, every time you check your credit or apply for credit it hurts your score <laughs> and that's part of this 10 percent mm. right so 10 percent of 550 i could figure that one out oh. that's 55 points are you sure <laughs> so 55 <laughs> points are technically up for grabs on inquiries okay but let's break that down a little bit because i mean people get hung up on inquiries like really bad and it's actually the least amount you know out of the whole breakdown that we've done 10 percent is the smallest number um, of available points and inquiries aren't that big of a deal guys you're right uh, that is the one thing that i get a lot of uh, most of my consultations you know but i got so many inquiries on my credit report guys guys this is such a menial factor on your credit score why are you focusing on this you should be focusing on the rest of this other stuff yeah the 65 percent that's up for grabs and it's and it gets worse because not only is our inquiries only 10% of your score, but unlike any other account, inquiries only stay on your credit report for two years and they only affect the credit score for one. So they are literally the tiniest portion of how your credit score gets graded. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. If we look at a report in the inquiries eight months old, um, by the time we're done disputing it, it's at the 12 month mark and FICO is no longer calculating it as part of the 10%. So it's no longer costing you a portion of those 55 points that are up for grabs. And you even get more leeway than this. A lot of times when you see a lot of inquiries, it's because you went and bought, try to buy a, a car. And this car, you know, went to 10 different banks to qualify you. So you're seeing 10 inquiries on the credit report. But those 10 inquiries are only counting as one because it's known as the shopping period. Anything done within 30 days when you're attempting to purchase a home or a car, they only count as one. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Uh, and that that's probably the where it happens the most commonly is a consumer goes shops for cars and then the car dealership shops their credit uh, 20 different banks and 20 different banks do 20 different inquiries and all of those inquiries count as one um, 
only when shopping for mortgages and auto loans. Correct. So it's only Correct. for mortgages and auto loans. And so, again, it just further enhances the fact that in inquiries are not your problem on your credit report. If you have credit score problems, inquiries are not the problem. So if you, if any of you ever decide to come talk to us for a consultation, you want more, uh, a better advice or deeper advice on how to fix your credit, don't talk to us about inquiries. Yeah. And, and again, guys, it's, it's, it's 55 points out of 550 possible points that are up for grabs. Don't get me wrong. They, they certainly matter. Yes. Um, and I think that fundamentally the predict the prediction of credit risk is if you are applying for credit too much, you know, within a short period of time, those consumers tend to default at a higher rate than people who don't ask for credit. I mean, fundamentally, that's what it's doing. And so that's why this 10% is calculated within the FICO score. Uh, but it's, again, such a menial amount that I would not get hung up on it. Um, the, the real reason why you don't want to do too many inquiries um, is because you just don't want to take on credit that maybe you can't handle. You don't want to lower the average age of your account. You know, there's a lot of little factors that are connected, but ultimately inquiries are not the reason why your score is not high. Correct. If your score is not high, there's other problems. Um, so that's our little spill on inquiries. Moving on, we've covered 90% of how the credit score is calculated. The final 10%, FICO breaks it down as credit mix. Maybe we should skip this one. At 90%, you still get an A in school, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this one's almost something that, you know, again, it's kind of a byproduct of how you manage your credit. I mean, obviously, you can be very tactful with with it, but break it down. What exactly are they talking about when they use the words credit mix? They want to see a healthy combination of installment and revolving trade lines. Um, you know, personal loans or, for example, auto loans, along with some credit cards, because they're going to show uh, more stable of a borrower than someone who just opens up a few credit cards. Yeah, like more experience. You know, exactly. you can navigate a car loan, you can navigate a mortgage loan, you can navigate a credit card. And I mean, for example, I can go and get myself three $200 credit cards at Macy's, JCPenney and Walmart. You know, I can handle the monthly payments, no problem, $25 a piece. But can I do that when I have a $400 monthly auto obligation? Right. You know, that, that determines the stability of a borrower. Yeah. And, and again, guys, this whole FICO game is just designed to predict risk. And all they're trying to see is how are your previous payment performance on these kinds of products to try to predict your future payment performance on similar products? And, and if you've never paid off a car loan on time, they're not going to be able to correctly gauge your auto loan payment history um, or your the likelihood that you'll pay off this auto loan on time as agreed. So, you know, think about it logically from a, a banker's perspective, right? What, How are they thinking? There's a, there's a little bit of a or a lot of science behind it using stat statistics. And we're breaking it down at a very uh, at a level that hopefully you guys will understand and, and grasp because a lot of people have a lot of gripe with the credit scoring system like <laughs> you know fico and the credit scores they're not the reason why you get declined um they just provide the score and then the bank decides to approve or decline you for the particular loan product so keep that in mind when understanding the fico score because that's really what it what it's doing and that's how it breaks down mm -hmm. yeah so um <clears throat> is there something that people can intentionally do to improve their credit mix of course, um, if you if you have a car, which most of you should, I mean, it's almost a necessity of life. Um, get yourself a few credit cards, something tiny. You know, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to go all out, but get yourself some revolving trade lines, and your credit mix will be healthier. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And again, it's 10% of how the credit score is calculated. It's a pretty low amount. Um, again, it's not, if if you have a bad credit score, it's not because you're missing accounts. Um, ultimately, if you don't have a perfect score, I think that it's probably because you're missing accounts. But I think the big takeaway for today's show is focused on the big chunks, focused on the 35% payment history, focused on the 30% amounts owed. You know, payment history is, again, is not just late payments, it's also collections. Collections are part of that 35%. So if you have collections, getting rid of it improves the 35% um, portion of the report and you just get more of those 190 points that could potentially be available to you. That's correct. So. What's up with the extra credit task of the week? I mean, it, it's something simple. It may seem it may seem kind of obvious, but the extra credit task of the week this week is just make sure you pay all your bills on time. If you pay all your bills on time, you know, your score is going to be in good shape regardless of what else happens. I'm going to add to that because I think that that's um, the name of the game in credit scoring is mm -hmm. pay your bills on time. But have a save card, like have a personal system in place. A lot of people decide to put all their bills on auto pay ah. and then they just kind of forget about it because yeah. that's what you're supposed to do on auto pay apparently. <laughs> but have a safeguard in place, maybe a system of checks and balances where everything is on auto pay, but you also have to go in and check just to make sure everything went through. There wasn't a problem with your routing number or checking account number. Or their system went down that particular down, day. You know, just have a system of checks and balances just to make sure that everything is going through even if everything is on auto pay, because um, there's a lot on the line. There's 192 points on the line. So, you know, keep that in mind, guys. I think that does it for today's show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're going to continue to make these episodes for you guys. Email us at theextracreditshow at gmail.com with your questions or topic suggestions. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at theextracreditshow. Guys, I am Anselmo Moreno. And I'm Richard David. We'll see you guys next time.